This is Transit Unplugged, and I'm your host, Paul Comfort. And today I'm excited to bring you an interview with Ahmed Barozian, who is Chief Executive Officer of the Public Transport Agency, part of the Roads and Transport Authority in Dubai, part of the United Arab Emirates. It's an exciting interview. We talked to Ahmed about all the exciting new innovations that are happening in Dubai when it comes to public transportation and why they are considered really a center of excellence for innovation from around the world, the type of approach that his government has toward allowing innovation to occur there. We go into autonomous vehicles, air taxis, soft mobility, the taxicab program there, their enterprise command and control center, and the upcoming Dubai metro expansion to link to the World Expo 2020, which has been moved into 2021, but it'll bring exhibits from all over the world to Dubai and what they're doing to prepare for that. All that on this episode. What does it mean to be a successful public transit agency? What are you doing to lead the way? It's time to learn from the top transit professionals. This is Transit Unplugged with your host, Paul Comfort. Welcome to Transit Unplugged. I'm your host, Paul Comfort. And today we're excited to travel around the world for many of our listeners to the Middle East, where I'll be speaking with Ahmad Hashan Marosian, who is the um, the head of the Public Transit Agency, the Chief Executive Officer at the Roads and Transport Authority in Dubai, which is part of the United Arab Emirates. Ahmed, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I recently got to be part of some stuff you were doing over there, some innovation discussions, and so happy this could turn into another follow-up discussion. We haven't really done much in the Middle East on the show, even though we're heard in 99 countries and a lot of people listen uh, in the Arab world, I'm so happy to have you really as my first guest, first official guest from the Middle East. Great to be here. Thank you very much for that. Yeah. So first off, tell us a little bit about your country. A lot of people in America have heard about Dubai, and it seems like a faraway, fantastic place. I've actually got neighbors where I live in Maryland, right near Washington, D.C., just a couple doors down from me that lived there for five years. They work for the State Department, and they lived there for five years, and they've told me great things about how much fun it was and all that so tell me a little bit about your country, and it just seems like a great place. Well, as you said, we're in the Middle East. We're a small country, population less than 10 million people. It's already small compared to where you guys come from in the U.S., and, uh, but a very young country as well, so barely 50 years old. And I think the success of Dubai or the UAE in general lies in, in, in how fast, how fast we, we move forward in such a short period of time. So really, in, 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 in my lifetime, basically, you know, we've gone from pretty much desert to a great metropolis in, in the desert, basically. And uh, I think we're very proud of the progress we've made on all fronts, also being one of those fronts. I'm excited to talk a little bit today about what we've achieved in transportation in, in the short period that you know, uh, our country has focused on that. And um, we, we like to, to, to feel that we are leading the way of a Middle East that is progressing around us as well. Um, I think one of the key issues or one of the key success factors of our country has been the stability in an area which is volatile, uh, always been volatile. We have been like an example of stability and that stability has allowed us to really grow. You mentioned you've had neighbors who've lived in Dubai. Well, in a small country like ours, we have about 200 different nationalities with, from various parts of the world living together in a very, very safe uh, you know, city and country. So I think we're very proud of the fact that we're able to to be such a melting pot for so many different, uh, you know, cultures, 
our, our national population is actually only about 10% of the country's population, 90% or so come from, from expats, basically. So um, I think the fact that the people who live in Dubai, if you talk to most of them and the UAE will feel like it's their second country or their own, their home country. They've lived there for so many years and they've been a very, very, big, very big part of the success of the country. So in a nutshell, that's, that's, that's where I come from. Very good. And Dubai, my understanding is it's a city-state that's part of the larger United Arab Emirates, which maybe includes seven city-states. Is that right? Yes, it's seven states, uh, seven cities, if you like, that, that constitute the United Arab Emirates. Abu Dhabi is the capital uh, city, so Dubai is, if you like, the, the, the trade city of, of the country. Contrary to, to what I think many people think about Dubai is that we have a lot of oil. We actually don't have a lot of oil. We actually <laughs> depend more on, on tourism and trade. And it's been historically that's been what Dubai has been has been famous for, and uh, I think that also explains the fact that we have so many people from different cultures and countries living very peacefully together. Is that the country has always been that open to trade with with neighbors from the region and outside the region as well. So um, yes, I mean we 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 depend heavily uh, on tourism and on, on trade and business, and therefore services and infrastructure is a very important part of the progress of our city. Very good. I think the, the image that a lot of people have, at least here in North America of Dubai, is those real big, tall, you have one real big, tall building and maybe some others. And I think it was in a Mission Impossible movie with Tom Cruise. He was coming down the face of it or something. That's uh, it's all these fantastic buildings and all this cool stuff that's there. That's pretty cool. I hope I can visit one day. Yeah, we hope to have you soon. I mean, these days it's not easy to travel, but yeah, as soon as things right. uh, calm down a bit, I would be happy to host you. And we'll show you the tallest building in the world, for sure. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So tell us some about your transportation services there. Let's go into what we really got here to talk about. You have some fantastic things there. I know my company, Trapeze, does some of the does the software for the taxi cabs. But you have a really, uh, really advanced and kind of cutting edge technologies you have there. I hope we can get in there and talk about all of it today. But First off, just tell us generally, what is your what is your scope of responsibilities? What do you do there? Okay, well, as you said, uh, when you started off, you said that I'm, I'm the uh, CEO of the uh, public transport agency in the Roads and Transport Authority in Dubai. So the authority that I work for is responsible for, as the name suggests, roads and transport, everything that has to do with road infrastructure, surface transport, so all the public transport services, the metro, the trams, the buses, uh, the taxis, all forms of shared and soft mobility in Dubai, as well as water transport services as well. We also offer, um, Dubai has uh, a nice creek that kind of cuts the city into two parts, and therefore there's lots of water transport uh, services that are provided to commuters and tourists alike. So we, we manage all, all, all of those. My scope specifically is in all modes of, of transport and public transport and mobility in the city, other than the tram um, and the metro. So I think, I think as, you, as you said, uh, Paul, recently you participated in Innovation Lab that we arranged here in, in the RTA in Dubai. And innovation is a very important part of, of, of the city. It's always been about innovation. It's always been about leadership that's looking forward, has the foresight to think beyond what normal people, if you like, can, can see. And really, it's about pushing the limits, pushing the boundaries in everything we do, whether it's in the buildings that we build, in the, the way that we develop our city, and even the transport systems that we provide. So, for example, we, we operate currently the longest driverless metro system in the whole world. Our metro stations, unlike what, what is normally you see around you know, Europe, the Far East, etc., are, are built more like five-star hotels, if you like, so very fancy transport and mobility hubs that really encourage people to, um, to use the different mobility services. I think 
when when we were established as the RTA, we just completed about 15 years of being in, in business, the Roads and Transport Authority. When we started off, only 6% of trips in Dubai were conducted through public transport, whereas the majority of trips were done through private vehicles. In 15 years, that 6% has gone up to about 17 to 18%. It's still quite, I mean, when you compare us to some other cities where public transport is, is if you like, competing uh, very heavily with, with uh, private cars, it still looks low. But if you look at 6% to 17 18% in, in 15 years, in a city where the road infrastructure is extremely, is extremely strong, we have actually been awarded uh, the best road infrastructure worldwide four years in a row. So really, the city is, is very much a car-oriented city. So we are competing against a very <laughs> difficult opponent, if you like, in terms of private cars. However, I think we have made quite a bit of progress. And one of the ways we've done that is to, focusing, to focus on innovation and innovative uh, services, but also diversity of services. So we've really provided as many transport services as, as we can, and we continue to look into new services uh, we're always open to new ideas, uh, especially with the shared economy now and shared mobility is becoming a very important part of our strategy going forward. So I'm excited to talk about some of the, the newest, if you like, additions to the um, to the public transport and mobility landscape in the city, as well as the future, um, you know, what we envision the future being in terms of autonomous and, and green mobility and other services moving forward. That's great. We, we will get into that. We, you mentioned, though, that you've been an agency for 15 years. You started, I mean, I was looking at your career path on LinkedIn. I mean, did you start right when the agency started? You're one of the first employees 15 years ago? Yes, I've been working for Dubai government since I graduated from the States, actually, and it's uh, since 1992. So I've been in government, in Dubai government ever since. Um, I started off with another government authority called the Dubai Municipality. And 15 years ago, the leadership in Dubai took a decision to take transportation, if you like, out of the municipality and turn it into an agency by itself. That in itself was a very bold and I think for a future, futuristic decision because of the focus the city wanted to, to increase diversity and mobility around the city. It felt that it needed an entity that, that does only transportation and, and road infrastructure. So I moved them from the municipality to, um, to the road and transport authority. So yes, I've been with the authority since it started 15 years ago, yes. And you went to college here in the United States? I did, yes. I went to the University of Colorado in Denver. I, I was there for four years. I think back then, Denver was a not as prominent a city as it is today. I think I, I haven't been back, unfortunately. I've been back to the States, but not back to Denver, unfortunately. But yeah, my, a couple of my, my colleagues from university have gone back and they say that it's, it's nothing that looks nothing like what it was those, years, those days. So hopefully I can go back someday. <laughs> That's great. So tell us some about some of your current projects. You, you mentioned you've got a lot going on. Just walk us through some of the coolest things you're working on right now. Okay, well, I mean, I think one of the, the newest additions, we have an expo going on in, in, in Dubai. It was supposed to be in 2020. It's now postponed to 2021 due to the pandemic. So a lot of our, our projects are related to providing the services for the expo. It's going to be a major mega for Dubai, one of the biggest events that Dubai has ever managed. And, and one of the, uh, the coolest things that we've done recently is extended the Dubai Metro to take it all the way to the doorstep of the expo. And it's going to cut through about seven or eight different communities, new communities in Dubai, and really support those communities with providing metro stations along the way to the to the expo. So that's the newest, if you like, um, jewel to the if you like the mobility system in Dubai. It's a world it's, expo, right? It's like for it the whole world. world. It is yeah. a world expo. It's going to be the whole world. We're going to be. It's going, we're very excited about it. It's going to be in about a year's time, so first of October, 2021. Uh, it's okay. going to be for six months. 
and a lot of innovation and, and new uh, initiatives, not just from Dubai and the UAE, but from the whole world will be showcased there. So it's Amazing. an event that we are very excited about. And, and of course, getting people there in and out of the expo is a key success factor. So uh, we as the RTA have a major role to play in that. Okay. Um, but in addition to that, I think, as, as has been the case in many cities around the world, we have been focusing very much on shared mobility solutions and increasing the different mobility options people have in Dubai. I think our our philosophy is the more options you provide for people, the more chance you have of people, if you like, leaving their cars. Maybe they're still going to own cars, but they're going to do less trips to those cars. So they're, they're going to reconsider every time they make a trip to say, why would I take out my car? Uh, why don't I use RTA's mobility services? There are so many options available uh, for me. So we're very excited about a recent partnership with Via, um, very famous, if you like, on-demand company that operates uh, out of the US and also many cities in Europe and, and the Far East, uh, Australia as well. And we've, we've introduced a bus on demand service with VIA. So we, we've started a pilot with five different areas. And even through the pandemic, I think we've been pleasantly surprised that the customers that use this bus on demand service have been pretty loyal to the service. They've continued to use it even through the pandemic, through the lockdowns. So it's been quite a, a, a good, a successful addition. I think that the success we've achieved with the bus on demand in the first six to eight months of operation has given us the incentive to actually expand it into different parts of the city as well. So I think what this pandemic has also, I think, opened everybody's eyes towards is to say, I think these rigid mobility solutions like metro systems and buses, normal buses, if you like, are very uh, expensive to operate. The ridership patterns are shifting all the time, and it's very difficult to keep up with that. So I think a good alternative for that, and we've realized that in Dubai, is that on-demand services is going to be the next big thing. We obviously have e-hailing services for both limo and taxi services in Dubai, but we feel that a bus on demand service is also the next thing that's going to allow us to operate buses in a more personalized way for customers. So um, fine-tuning, if you like, the service to the demand shifts, to the demand patterns of customers. At the same time, for us as an operator, it's a lot more efficient because you have a lot less dead mileage, a lot less fuel consumption because you're actually understanding what the demand patterns are and responding to it in a more dynamic way. So that's been a, a new addition. We've also, in the last year or so, introduced a bike-sharing service in the city with, with a partner, Kareem. Kareem, of course, is the, is the, is the biggest e-hail in the Middle East. It was just bought by, by Uber about a couple of years ago for $3 billion. So it started in Dubai as a startup, and it grew into a, a company that was big enough for, for Uber to invest $3 billion into buying it and making it its Middle East um, arm, if you like. So we've introduced with Karim a bike sharing service in Dubai, which is covering many parts of the city. We continue to expand our bus, sorry, our, our bike, dedicated bike lanes around the city to make it a very safe and affordable service uh, for citizens. And only very recently, and I, when I say very recently, I mean about two weeks ago, we started um, a scooter, shared scooter service as well in the city. So we now have five partners. It's a one-year pilot. Like many cities around the world, we are very excited about the potential of scooters. But we're also a little bit worried about the safety aspect. I think um, a lot of cities in the U.S. as well as Europe have experimented with scooters. Some have been more successful than others. So we've looked at the different models, the different lessons learned by different cities. And we felt the best way to go with scooters is to, to start a trial in five different areas in the city with five different operators, a one-year trial for us and the operators to learn. And then after one year, hopefully, we'll formalize it across the different parts of the city. So... This is the approach we've taken. So I think our philosophy is there's no one size fits all when it comes to mobility solution. Not every solution works for every city in the world. 
some solutions work everywhere, but they need to have they need to be tweaked. I think different with different um, model, different business model, different partnerships in order to accommodate the obvious, if you like, distinctions that are you know that are there always from one city to another. So we try always to learn from what other cities have done. Of course, we also try to be the first sometimes, and that's difficult to learn from others because if you're the first, you don't have any anyone to learn from. We'll talk a little bit about autonomous maybe coming you know, in the future, and we really want to be one of the first cities in the world to introduce autonomous uh, mobility solutions. I think that's a very big incentive for us going forward. But sorry, that in a nutshell, really, that's where we are today. What we're offering um, people who, who live in Dubai and visit Dubai, and maybe we'll talk a little bit more later on about about where we're headed in the future. Yeah, that sounds great. You also have Trams Dubai Marina there. That, that I thought that was interesting. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So, so Dubai Marina is a is a, a very important area in New Dubai. As any other city, we have the old Dubai, which is a, a if you like a small area on both sides of the Dubai Creek. But then the Dubai, the city has exploded, if you like, beyond that. Dubai Marina is considered to be one of the new areas, very modern but very congested at the same time as well. Lots of buildings, very much by the by the water, with lots of you know projects um, in the area that accommodate both people who live there as well as tourists. So the tram has been uh, one of the newest additions to the mobility landscape in Dubai. It's only about um, six years old, I believe. It's a good complement to the metro. So it links to the metro system. You can hop off the metro and hop onto a tram very seamlessly. Of course, in Dubai, we also, when we introduced the Dubai metro, we also introduced a unified ticketing system in the city as well. So it's called NOL, N-O-L, and it's very easy to pronounce uh, in both Arabic and English. But the objective of NOL is really seamless transportation. So with that card, you can actually then hop on and hop off to any transport mode. You can hop onto the metro, hop off and hop onto a bus or to the tram and any other mode of transport as well. It's also even all of our new mobility solutions. We're insisting always that the ticketing system of Dubai always allows you to use any mobility system, whether it's existing or a new mobility system in the city. We complement that also with with an app that uh, is our journey planner for the city as well. So again, any new mobility mode in Dubai, we insist that it always have to be has to be integrated into the journey planning app in the city. So we're trying to really, as we expand our mobility services from metro to tram to buses to bus on demand to soft mobility solutions, it always needs to be seamless. It always needs to be integrated. And hopefully we make it as easy as possible for people to plan their journey using all of the different mobility services available. It's not always easy because you have different partners, different operators. They normally come with their own apps, with their own offerings. But we always insist that it needs to be as seamless as possible for the customer. I think with diversity, sometimes comes complexity as well. And that's a challenge that we always have. We want to be diverse. We want to provide as many options as possible. But we don't want to confuse customers. We don't want to make it difficult. We don't want the customer to have 20 apps on their phone in order for them to be able to move around the city. Um, operators will always have their own apps. We realize that. We understand that that's a competitive advantage that we can't take away from them. But at the same time, they also need to understand that at the end of the day, this needs to be customer-centric and customer-focused. And it needs to be about moving around in Dubai, not just from an operator's point of view, but from a customer point of view. And I think most of the operators that we work with understand that, and that makes our life a lot easier. Speaking of complexity and trying to pull it all together, you guys operate a combined enterprise command and control center, I understand, that includes, pulls everything together. Tell us some about that, Ahmed. With complexity also, with, with diversity, if you like, comes complexity, both 
from a customer point of view, if you're not very careful and you don't design the services in a customer-centric way, but also from an authority perspective, because you then have all of these mobility services working together. If you're not careful, they could actually be working against each other. There could be cannibalization, if you like, of one service into another. So then you have a new operator that's happy, but an old operator that's unhappy. So really, the Enterprise Command and Control Center, we believe it's a state-of-the-art center. It's, it's relatively new. It's less than five years old. We believe there's about less than five such centers around the world, some of them, a couple of them in Europe, a couple of them in the Far East. So we believe it is state-of-the-art. Now, what this allows us to do is really to look at the movement of people and mobility in Dubai from a holistic perspective. It's all about bringing all forms of mobility, including private cars, into one center and really allowing us to manage mobility from that one center. We still have our operational control center. So the metro has its operation control center. Buses have their own center, taxis, etc. But all of those centers are then integrated into the enterprise command and control center. So it allows for event planning, event management. So the one of the reasons that Dubai actually won the right to host the, the Expo 2020, which is now, of course, happening in 2021, but it continues to be called Expo 2020, it's, it's because of our enterprise command and control center and the value added in managing the whole event, if you like, from that control center. We also manage mega events, any other mega event in Dubai. So New Year's Eve, for example, Dubai is, of course, one of the cities where um, that event is highly celebrated. We we also manage such mega events, not on the expo, but any other mega event from that center. Any crisis, God forbid, if there is a crisis um, in the city, is also managed through that center. So we have the police there, we have the media there, we have all the different authorities in that center and that allows us to work very closely with them in managing any event or any crisis uh, that happens. So, yes, it is a very important, if you like, piece of the jigsaw puzzle when it comes to managing uh, mobility. And last but not least, with the Enterprise Command and Control Center, it's decision-making. It really allows us to, to make decisions about operations of mobility on a day-to-day basis, but also planning and forecasting for the future. So looking at which areas in the city are uh, underserved, for example, working with our operators, to give them the data and the information they need to expand their services into different areas and really give them that insight that everybody's really looking for. So I think it's, 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 uh, it's also very important, not for only us as a regulator, but also for um, the operators that operate under our, our um, uh, umbrella. If you like. Very good. That sounds exciting. I've been to a couple really cool state-of-the-art cutting-edge operations control centers, including the ones in Sydney, Australia, and others. And yours sounds amazing. I can't can't wait to see it, maybe, maybe during your expo. So you mentioned taxis. My colleague, Matthew Brownlee, who's managing director of Trapeze there, has, has mentioned this to me multiple times and actually shown me some of the software. We were at the UITP event last year, and he showed me some stuff there. Tell me about how you integrate with taxi cabs, because I understand they're really part of your whole solution, right? Sure. Yeah, well, when we actually have, the way we operate taxis in Dubai is it's like a franchise service, if you like. So we have seven franchisees taxi operators who are basically privately owned, most of them, and they operate under. So we're a regulator, if you like, rather than an operator. Um, however, I think the model that we deploy in Dubai, we especially with the RTA, most of our services now we don't operate anymore. We still operate public transport buses, but I think post-expo we're hoping to move away from, from operating and outsource that as well. The metro is outsourced, the buses are franchises, etc. So we're really moving away from operation and more into a role of, of a regulator, organizer, responsible for quality assurance of the service. Now, in some cities around the world, and 
I've seen this. I don't really like this model. The, the, the regulator is normally saying, listen, taxis are operated by private companies. It's their business. They manage the service. We're really not that involved. For us in Dubai, it's a little bit different. We always want to make sure that we have control of the quality of the service. So it's very important that even if we're not operating a service, we don't take shrug, if you like, shirk away from the responsibility that the, the service is still our, the quality of the service is still our responsibility, even if we don't operate it ourselves. Now, this means that we have about, as I said, seven franchises uh, that operate taxis. We have 11,000 taxis, 23,000 taxi drivers in the city. And if we're not going to depend on technology and cutting edge technology to manage the quality of the service, it's going to be impossible. Since you mentioned Matthew, I think Matthew, Matthew is a little bit sick and tired of, 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 of having meetings with me where I'm always pushing him to say, listen, what's next technology innovation? What's coming next in the taxi field? We need to improve. We need to have better control over the taxi service. We need to, even though we're not in the taxi, in the cab, where the driver and the passenger are there together, we need to know what's happening there. We need our cameras to be telling us, we need AI to be basically telling us what's, what's, what's being done properly, what's, what's going wrong in taxis for us to be able to take action. So the technology that Trapeze deploys in taxis is very advanced. We, we believe it's also one of the uh, most advanced uh, systems worldwide. We have telematic devices in all our taxis. We have cameras in taxis, which allow us to always be aware of what's going on with any taxi trip. There are certain, if you like, miss or bad practices that taxi drivers deploy anywhere in the world, not just in, in Dubai. We like to use the technology to, to, to manage things like black trips, to manage things like disputes between the customers and the taxi drivers. And I think the fact that also we, we have introduced in the last couple of years, also through a partnership with, with the private sector, we've introduced e-hailing to taxis in Dubai. I think that has helped the taxi industry as well, because in most cities around the world, when e-hailers like Uber came in, it affected the business of taxis. It really, you know, brought down the revenues. It, it, it brought unwanted competition. For cities, it was great because for customers, they had choice, but the taxi industry really suffered in many cities around the world. For us, I think we embraced e-hailing and we allowed the, the Ubers uh, and Kareems to, to provide the e-hailing service in the limo sector. Now, in Dubai, the limo sector means, if you like, a premium taxi service or an upper-class taxi service. And we then introduced, with the RTA in partnership with the taxi companies, we introduced e-hailing to taxis. And really that helped the taxis compete with the limo, if you like. So it actually allowed them to flourish rather than having them suffer suffer through e-hailing services. So as I think Matthew will vouch for you, we have great technology in taxis, but we're always pushing ourselves and pushing our partners like Trapeze to look at really what can we do more? How can we have better control over the experience of a customer in a taxi and allow the taxi companies to operate, but at the same time step in when we feel the service is not to the level that we expect in Dubai. So that's really the philosophy we deploy. Very good. Well, speaking of the future, why don't we talk some about what's coming for you in the future and, and what do you see, where do you see your agency going? We could even talk about air taxis or the far out things and uh, give us a view of what's coming next for um, Dubai when it comes to public transportation in the future. Sure. I mean, we talked a bit about shared mobility and we talked about soft mobility and I think we're going to continue we're going to continue to, to embrace that going forward. And when I say embrace that, what I mean is I have constant meetings, maybe every week, every two weeks. Uh, most meetings are online these days, unfortunately. But we get approached by startups from all over the world. Um, and, and really what they're looking for is for a chance, for an opportunity to showcase what they have. 
and hope that, that Dubai will be the city for them to showcase their, their innovations and their services. Now, the first question I ask any startup when they come to us is, why Dubai? I mean, you come from the Far East, you come from, a lot of them come from countries which are actually known for innovation. And the first answer I get is, one is you're always open to new ideas and you always, as a government, embrace new ideas rather than asking the question of, why is this not going to work? You actually say, okay, come in, we'll, we'll open the doors for you, we'll, we'll facilitate as much as we can, we'll give you a chance. You may or may not succeed, but we will give you this chance. And I think that's something that most startups appreciate. And um, I really appreciate, I really like hearing that because it, it, it shows that that's a competitive advantage. At the end of the day, Dubai, like any city, is competing for innovation. It's competing for, for, for companies, for innovative ideas to come to the city. And we have to offer, ask ourselves why. I think there are two reasons when I, that I usually hear. One is, as I said, we embrace innovation and we welcome innovation and we want people to bring innovative ideas to the city and try it out here. But also because we're fast in decision-making. I think that's a big competitive advantage to our city as well. Um, we, we are able to make quick decisions for changes in regulation, changes in policies that allow us to embrace innovation. Because with innovation, sometimes you have clashes between innovative ideas and what the laws and regulations say. And uh, rather than fight the innovative ideas, we actually fight the laws, if you like, and fight the regulations and try to bend and tweak regulations in order for us to be able to bring innovation to our city. So I think that is going to continue. We, we are going to see the world is always going to see new innovative ideas in terms of mobility and shared mobility and soft mobility. And we want Dubai always to be the place for companies to think, listen, let me go and talk to the government in Dubai because I think they will be the first government that will welcome us and allow us to experiment and to try our solutions. So that's one area. I think the other area for us is, is, is autonomous. I think we believe in autonomous mobility. We believe it's going to be the future for several reasons. I think when you talk to any um, of the leading companies worldwide that are working on autonomous mobilities or um, autonomous cars in general and transportation, I think they will tell you that the biggest driver for them is saving lives. And over 90%, of course, 90, 95% of accidents happen because of human error. We lose over a million lives worldwide to road accidents. It's, it's sad. And, and I think if you talk to any company, they will say that saving lives is their main priority. Now, if you talk to any government also, I'm sure saving lives from road accidents is also a priority. So that's, I think, where the private sector and government come together when it comes to autonomous transport. There are, of course, other, other benefits. I think the, the biggest drivers for us, of course, is safety and saving lives. It's also, hopefully, when you take the driver component out of any transportation mode, be it a bus or a taxi, you're actually saving a lot of money because the driver is quite an expensive cost element. And then hopefully that saving of money can be passed on to the customer. So really, it's about making transportation and mobility cheaper for people and then becomes more inclusive. And speaking of inclusivity, again, it's about people uh, who today have difficulty having access to mobility systems, like people of older age, the elderly, kids, for example. Really, it's opening the door for, for people for mobility to be all inclusive and to bring everyone into the picture, if you like. So... So these are the drivers. We definitely see ourselves as a leader in autonomous transport. I think, or I, I, I'm very uh, hopeful and uh, I'm optimistic that we will be one of the first cities in, in the world. Uh, I don't want to say the first, because I don't know exactly what's happening in other cities, but really one of the first cities which will introduce autonomous mobility and autonomous solutions. It could be in buses, it could be in taxis. We're currently in very advanced 
discussions with different players, different partners or potential partners around the world. And we feel that sooner rather than later, we will start experimenting on, on our road. We have already conducted many trials and many different experiments. They've been kind of use cases, if you like, to prove that, that this concept can work in our city. But I think on a larger scale, we will hopefully be one of the uh, leading cities. You also mentioned, Paul, about air taxis. Now, in September of 2017, we actually conducted an air taxi trial. It was just a four-minute flight with a, a German company called Volocopter at that time. That was uh, us and them coming together to, to as a proof of concept, if you like. So it was a four-minute autonomous trial here in Dubai. And really what was behind this was really for us to say that, listen, Dubai wants to also be a leader in, in air taxis. We also believe that air, urban air mobility is part of the future. Yes, if you look at it today, as if you look at autonomous cars as well, they're pretty expensive. Operating them is pretty expensive. But when you look into the horizon of autonomous, um, whether it's air autonomous or land autonomous, you don't look five, ten years down the line. You need to look beyond that. The technology is developing every day. You know, the, the battery, is, which is a major component, an expense component, is, is, is the battery technology is developing every day. It's becoming cheaper every day as well. So what is expensive today will probably become, if you like, mainstream several years down the line. So it's very important for any city that's looking at autonomous to really look beyond the five, 10-year horizon. Number one, you need to be bold. Yes, you need to be a risk taker. I think in Dubai, we have proven not only in, in transportation, but in, in everything we've done in the city that innovation and taking risk is part of the DNA of the city, really. And I think you need to have that boldness because you're stepping into a territory which is untried before. And you can't be 100% sure of every step that you take along the way. And if you don't want to be an, uh, an innovative city and you want to wait for others, you can also do that. There's nothing wrong with that. But yes, you will have to uh, then learn from others. In order for you to learn from others, you can't be a leader. You need to be a follower. Here, we prefer to be a leader. We understand that being a leader is about taking risks. And I think autonomous and air mobility is uh, something that we believe in. And we believe that we, we need to take calculated risks. Yes, of course, they need to be risks, but they need to be very studied and calculated. The top priority, of course, being the safety of people. And at the same time, I think the benefits we talked about will be realized sooner rather than later after we, we deploy. That sounds exciting. You all were just recognized, I know, for this type of innovative attitude and that you won seven of the big Stevie International Business Awards this year. Congratulations for that. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, the Stevie Awards is also a great opportunity for us to show, not only showcase, um, you know, what we're doing to improve the lives of people in the city, but also to, to understand what other cities are doing as well. I think we also have to be very humble as a city. Yes, we have made a lot of progress, but our, our transportation mobility systems are relatively young compared to the mature systems that are, are, are there all over the world. So we really always look at what others are doing and, and uh, participating in awards is also an opportunity for us to learn from others as well. You can learn without copying. I mean, that's very important. We learn, but we also, when we introduce something, we try to understand what others could have done better as well and what suits the culture, the dynamics of the city of Dubai. And we try to introduce what others have done if we're not the first, but also do it uh, the Dubai way, if you like. So the way that we feel fits, fits the city. So I think there's a difference between learning what others can do and imitating. Imitating is really about taking what others have done and just blindly implementing it. And I think it doesn't work because every city has its own DNA, has its own dynamics, has its own culture, has its own way of living. And I think that every city needs to understand what that DNA is. And whatever we introduce here, we need to make sure it matches the DNA of the city. Otherwise, it won't succeed. 
That's good. The last thing I want to ask you about, we've been talking about a lot of external features of the transportation system, but you've also really done something I think is unique for your employees. You've automated all employee administrative services and you have a virtual assistant for your employees. That's amazing. Tell me some about this, what you're doing there. I mean, I've never heard of that before. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, uh, automation is a very important part of our organization. I think it, it, it helped us with customers. It helped us a lot during the pandemic when we had to you know, close all our customer service centers during various lockdown uh, times in the city. I think we were very pleasantly surprised that people were, I don't want to say forced, some people like the face-to-face interaction. So even though we always had our apps, we always had our websites available, people always said, I, I prefer to go to a customer service center and, and have that human interaction. Well, during lockdown, they were actually forced to, to use our online services, uh, our apps, our, our websites, our kiosks around the city. And I think we, we were always keeping an eye on how happy people were um, using those services. And we found that over 90% of people were, were highly satisfied with the service. So now that lockdowns are over and life is coming back to normal, I think people are saying, oh, why should I go to customer service centers? I was using these nice, simple, easy to use online services. I didn't have to step out of my house or my office. Um, or I could do it on my phone. So I think that was, I mean, the lockdowns were not nice for anybody, but I think that's, if you like, a bright spot that came out of uh, of the lockdown in the city. But we also then started saying, listen, there's a lot that we could do internally for our employees. So a lot of the admin HR-related services, which actually, for an organization of our size, take up a lot of people's time. How many employees do you have? Well, uh, we have about 3,000 plus employees. I'm not even including the drivers, but these are just, if you like, the the office employees that we have. So there's a lot of efficiencies that obviously can come from employees saving half an hour, one hour a day in administrative service. If you look at it from a cumulative point of view, it's thousands and thousands of of man hours being utilized more productively. So um, I think the assistant, as you said, is is a cool feature. It allows people to interact with their phone with an assistant, the virtual assistant, it's AI-based as well, so it's learning as we go along. It's answering people's questions more accurately as we as we uh, teach it more uh, about what we give it more input and as it learns by itself. And that's what AI is all about, basically. So I think we've taken the experience we've had with our customers and moving our services to their doorsteps, if you like, through the apps, etc., and, 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 and websites. And we've actually then taken that learning inside the organization. And I think we're, we're very excited about that because we've, we've been able to Uh, to save a lot of time and and, and, uh, allow people to use their time more productively. That's amazing. Well, Ahmad, Rosian, thank you so much for being our guest today on Transit Unplugged. You've really opened, I think, the eyes of our tens of thousands of listeners to the amazing progress happening in Dubai and the great things coming. And I can't wait to see how the World Expo goes there next year. It's going to be very exciting, isn't it? Yes, it is. I mean, thank you once again, Paul, for having me. I think we're very excited of the Expo, as you said. I think uh, the people who are, who are tuning in to be a great opportunity to visit Dubai. Hopefully at that time, uh, things will be easier. Travel will be a lot easier. Visit Dubai during the Expo. As I said, it starts on the 1st of uh, October, 2021. It goes on for six months. The weather is amazing in Dubai, October through April. It'll be a great time to visit, to see the city as well as the Expo. And I think the Expo is all about innovation. I think there'll be so much innovation in mobility and in, in, in all walks of life, if you like with over 100 countries demonstrating what they're doing and what they are planning to do for the future. So it's a very exciting event. And and as I said, yes, we've made a lot of progress in the city. I think our leadership is always about what's next. There's always the pressure on people like me and the whole government, really, to not be happy with what we've achieved. I think it's all about, yes, celebrating what we've done, 
appreciating what we've done and celebrating that with, with the people who live in the city and visit us and our employees. But at the same time, always asking the question of what's next? What can we do more? It's all about making people happy. I think uh, the concept of happiness is something that has that we is a term that we use very much in the city. And it's really about making people happy. And, and mobility is about allowing people to, to move freely and easily so that they can enjoy their, their life. They can enjoy their, their city. They can enjoy their relationships. And really, for us, it's about making that easy and seamless for them to contribute to, to a happy life in the city of Dubai. So really, in a nutshell, that's what we're aiming for going forward. Thank you. You've been listening to Transit Unplugged, powered by Trapeze Group. To stay up to date, subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, or join the conversation at transitunplugged.com. Thanks for listening.